0: Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the February 1st, 2023, 158th edition. Always broadcasting from the Selmark studios, except for today in the home studio. I'm here with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield News and Weather for the upcoming week.
1: And, a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance.
0: Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week.
1: May Ballot sees little movement over the past week.
0: Chamber honors the best of the best.
1: Mansfield's innovation vision set to take shape.
0: Parks Rec Department receives a sizable state grant.
1: We have the seven-day weather forecast, and in the talk segment, Steve concludes his talk with local author Ken Aldridge, who has just published his 12th book. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief
2: Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of wealth building made simple podcast. First book I read in college was rich dad poor dad and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them. And I talk about those lessons on the podcast wealth building made simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube wealth building made simple.
3: The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, I'm Casey Lewis, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield.
1: Little has changed in the past week on both the city council and school board ballots for the upcoming May elections. On the council ballot, Mansfield Methodist Hospital CEO Juan Fresquez filed to run for place seven against incumbent Larry Brosh, while banker and former councilman Brent Newsom has filed to run and is the lone candidate in the special election for place three. On the school board ballot, Dustin McDonald is the lone candidate for place six, while Saba Ahmed has thrown her hat into the place seven seat and is running against incumbent Courtney Lackey-Wilson. The deadline to file for either a city council or school seat is 5 p.m. on February 17th. Details on when and where to file are on our website, aboutmansfield.com under the links tab.
0: The Mansfield Area Chamber of Commerce held its annual business awards banquet on Friday night, handing out four accolades to local businesses. The new business of the year went to ER of Texas, Outstanding Large Business was awarded to the City of Mansfield. The Outstanding Small Business of the Year went to Aleve Care Hospice. And finally, the Community Service Award was presented to Harvesting in Mansfield.
1: The City of Mansfield is partnering on a project to bring its innovation vision to reality by developing the Mansfield Innovation Community, also to be known as the MIC. The city recently gained council approval for a partnership with Louisville-based Admiral Legacy Investments for the project, which has allocated 18 acres at Heritage and Regency Parkways, currently owned by the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, to be the epicenter of a planned Mansfield Innovation Corridor. Slated to be developed in phases is 1 million square feet of master-planned community with the MIC featuring 240,000 square feet of Class A plus offices, collaborative space, retail, and corporate residence, together with parks, trails, education, an innovation hub, and corporate headquarters. Mansfield Economic Development Executive Director Jason Moore has big plans for what the innovation corridor could lead to, with a vision of creating, quote, a meaningful and identifiable regional business hub, end quote. The project is slated to break ground in spring 2024, with Phase One and its Class A offices opening by summer
0: 2025. The Mansfield Parks and Recreation Department has been awarded a $750,000 non-urban outdoor recreation grant for James McKnight Park West from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. Executive Director of Community Services Matt Young said, Not only does this project serve as a huge range of ages and interests, it truly checks all the boxes for their mission as an organization, providing welcoming spaces for residents to gather together, fitness opportunities to grow healthy families, preservation of precious natural green spaces, and lots of exciting new ways for residents of all ages to play. This is the second Texas Parks and Wildlife grant for the McT- McKnight Park West, whose initial development was funded by the state organization nearly 35 years ago. While heavily used as a major trailhead for the Walnut Creek Linear Trail, the park has remained largely untouched since its opening and has no recreational opportunities for residents. In the 2020 Parks and Rec Master Plan, improvements to McKnight West were identified as the fourth highest priority for the southwest quadrant of the city based on community feedback and needs assessments. This project was the highest unfunded item on that list until the current grant announcement. Project highlights include accessible multi-age, Playground, swings and shade, Mansfield's first disc golf course, pavilions, picnic tables, and other park amenities, looped walking trail with exercise equipment, Walnut Creek Linear Trail expansion to Julian Field Park. The exact amenities and layouts will be determined during the planning process and after a series of public engagement opportunities starting this spring to get current feedback from residents and stakeholders. No date has been set for the start of construction as the city and the Texas Parks and Wildlife work to finalize the agreement. If you have a comment about the show, you can reach out to us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817-435-2938 or by email at news at aboutmansfield.com. Thursday, February 2nd is Groundhog Day, a day where we allow a large rodent in Pennsylvania to determine whether we're going to endure another six weeks of winter or not. It's an annual North American tradition recognized here in the United States and in Canada, announcing whether a groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil, sees its shadow after it emerges from its burrow. It's a huge event taking place in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, drawing close to 35,000 tourists for the one-day event. The first official Groundhog Day happened on February 2nd, 1887 in that very town it's celebrated in today. According to History.com, it was a newspaper editor, and he was also a groundhog hunter, who declared Phil a groundhog from Punxsutawney, the true predictor. The American tradition of Groundhog Day sees the nation's most well-known groundhog take a stance on the season ahead of us. If it sees its shadow, He predicts six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't, it's a forecast for an early spring. Unfortunately for Phil Fanatics, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says the groundhog has no predictive skill. In fact, he's only gotten it right about 40% of the time. Let's head on over to the weather desk and check the forecast with the upcoming week with Colleen, whose average is better than 40%, I think.
1: It might not actually be better than 40%. I'm going to blame it on our early recording deadlines and the capriciousness of weather in this part of the country. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. We've allegedly got another day of frigid fun before we start to moderate back to normal temperatures, and the weekend looks like a major improvement. We're looking at a high on Wednesday of 39 degrees, 47 degrees Thursday, 54 degrees Friday, 57 degrees on Saturday, 60 degrees on Sunday, 63 degrees on Monday, and 65 degrees on Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section.
4: I'm Dennis Webb and in today's science segment I will share my memories from the shuttle Challenger explosion. It's anniversary remembered last week.
5: I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know, and we'll have some ticker tips later in the episode.
6: You've thought about investing in real estate and wondered if it's the right move for you. Today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report, I'm going to share why real estate as an investment, when done right, is for everyone.
7: In this week's Cocktail the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that will have you thinking back to your days of youth. We are
1: Mansfield's only source for news talk and information. I'm Colleen Daniel and this is About Mansfield.
3: No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced trusted advisor on Speed Dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com.
0: At Methodist Health System, every person we treat morning, class. is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path.
6: And hold that pose.
7: Three, two, one.
0: Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The
7: doctor
4: will be right in.
0: That's community
4: and why so many people
0: trust
1: Methodist. Congratulations to Lisa Harry, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What is National Texas Day? According to History.com, it was February 1st, 1861, when Texas became the seventh state to secede from the Union. Texas's move completed the first round of secession just prior to Abraham Lincoln taking office. The seven states that left the Union included South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Incidentally, for those who guessed... Texas Independence Day. That day falls on March 2nd. Lisa has won a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery. When we come back, this week's trivia question, this is about Mansfield.
0: Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. 3.0 it's where we record and produce the about mansfield podcast episodes what started out as an audio only studio podcast mansfield is now a full service audio and video recording studio complete with custom green screen backgrounds two high definition cameras editing mixing and mastering capabilities and we can also help market your podcast podcast mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows such as wealth building made simple We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 right here in Mansfield. Mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com.
7: Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at jojenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is jojenkinsinsurance.com
0: It is. Time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery brought to you by... Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. And you can find him on the internet at JoeJenkinsInsurance.com. By the way, one recent winner told me they didn't think they had a chance at winning since the episode was released six days prior to them listening. And just a quick tip, Not every winner submits their answer on Wednesday. So if you're listening on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know what? Give it a shot. You might be taking home a $25 gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen.
1: Well, Steve, the city of Mansfield maintains close to two dozen parks within the city. Today's trivia question is, which park is the oldest and when did it open? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, in the city of Mansfield, which park is the oldest and when did it open? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, this is Mansfield ISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section.
0: Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb reflects on first-hand experiences working at NASA during the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion.
4: Dennis? Thank you, Steve. On social media, the last week or two, my community of space geeks and civilians have discussed where were you when the Challenger exploded. In January 1986, I was working at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, and had been for about 13 years. I had recently moved on from working in Mission Control to work the startup of the next program, what we now call the International Space Station. On that day, I was off-site in a grubby leased office building on a team writing software requirements for the future space station. Uh, An old work buddy was also there, one of the first people I shared an office with 13 years ago. Anyway, my friend sticks his head into the room where my team was working and said the shuttle just blew up. I quickly drove back to the center as my boss was also one of the big bosses over some of the flight controllers who worked in mission control. I was not sure what I could do to help, but knew it would be difficult and uncertain. And I had some skills at jumping into confusing situations, and my boss always welcomed my insights. There are actually procedures for horrible events like this. So, the doors in and out of the control center were locked. Phones were disconnected from the outside world. This is before cell phones. And the staff inside boxed every piece of paper evidence, it was mostly paper back then, as well as audio tapes and magnetic tapes of computer dumps. This was to preserve evidence for the expected investigation and limiting opportunities for tampering. Yeah, that's serious. It took hours before the team was released following the grim procedure we had hoped would never be used. I have no memory of the rest of that day, but my wife remembered that I did not get home until 10.30 that evening. We would have been collecting training and certification records for our people who were working in Mission Control that day to be boxed and handed over for impounding, just like the other records. We in the office had a part in the disaster procedure as well. What followed were several really dark months, worse at the start, with the uncertainty of what had happened. Was there sabotage? Had the crew done or not done something? Had there been an error in one of the procedures we wrote for the astronauts to use during the mission? We put our heads down and followed the grim administrative procedure, and a few people testified to the investigation committee. Overlapping this engineering work was the grief at the loss of our partners, the astronauts. We were all partners in this grand undertaking, and those of us who shared a generation with the younger astronauts, there were a lot of actual friendships. I lost a bandmate in a jazz band. I won't say much about this grieving part, other than to say the massive outdoor memorial service at the Space Center was led by then-President Ronald Reagan. It was a comfort, though I cried the whole time. In a few weeks, the launch videos had been repeatedly studied, and enough burnt pieces of the spaceship were recovered from the ocean floor that the underlying engineering failure was strongly indicated and we could move on from one kind of anxiety to working on engineering problem which was much more familiar professional work for us. Over the following months every piece of the shuttle and its operation had to be re-verified and recertified even if it had nothing to do with the catastrophe. My particular organization's work was not on the chain of events that led to the disaster but we did as directed. We had done a similar process a couple times before the very first shuttle launch as we worked to document that this spaceship and this operation was safe to do a launch, do a space mission in orbit, and safely come back to Earth. It's rather complicated. Across the program, this fine-toothed review turned up a lot of areas where processes and documentation had deteriorated as the program had ramped up from a few infrequent test flights to a very crowded operational launch manifest. We found some small gaps in our little corner and worked to toughen the processes to keep that from ever happening again. Keep in mind that at the time we started this, flying the shuttle again was not a given. But if we did fly it again, this recertification work would be essential. This was before everything was online, so everybody got a glossy paper of the final report over a year later that came out of the independent investigation. I read it, knowing a lot of the people who were involved testing my own skill, knowledge, and, and feelings against the details of what happened. Really hard read. But it was my job and a moral obligation. The shuttle did return to flight, a massive relief with all of us filled with resolve it would never happen again. Sadly, it did a few years later. If you have any science questions for me to answer here, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb.
1: Angel Biasati offers cold weather ticker tips in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? Whether the
5: sun is shining or it's below
1: freezing, get outside and get moving. It's
5: good for your heart and the need to maintain physical activity. It's a lot of fun for you and your family. When it's extremely cold weather, the heart pumps blood harder to maintain our body warmth and causes our blood vessels to constrict. Our body is synchronized to prioritize the vital organs when exposed to below freezing temperatures. That's why our fingers and toes might turn pale and numb after too much time in frigid temperatures. To keep our heart muscle warm, it's important to dress in layers, especially in frigid temperatures. It's important to keep our body warm around vital organs like our brain, our lungs, liver, kidney, and heart. Wear a hat, gloves, boots, and scarf before stepping outside. Did you know that layering clothing actually keeps you warmer and works better than one big coat? The air between layers acts as a buffer to insulate the heat. So layer up your clothing with an undershirt and pant turtleneck or shirt, add a sweater, a vest, and coat. Don't forget heavy gloves and socks to keep your hand and feet warm. This should help keep our body warm and our heart from doing all the heavy lifting. This is especially true for little ones and infants who should be dressed warmly for all outdoor activities. Several thin layers will keep them dry and warm, in addition to warm boots gloves or mittens, and a hat. The rule of thumb for youngsters is to dress them in one more layer of clothing than an adult would wear in the same conditions. Before exercising, warm up and take it slow. Walking has many heart health benefits, and it's something you and your family can do together. Begin by walking short distances and gradually increase your distance. You can begin by walking the block or going to one of the city's beautiful parks. Logging just 30 minutes a day of activity at least five days a week is a great start. If you can't do that, break it up. Ten minutes, three times a day. It's good for your heart. Many people believe that cold weather is a direct cause of flu and colds each winter. That's not the case. The viruses that cause colds and flus tends to be more common in the winter when children are in school and we are in closer contact with one another. Encourage frequent hand washing while also teaching your children to sneeze or cough into the bend of their elbow. Both might help reduce the spread of colds and flu. By following these simple tips, You can create a season of health and happiness for your family. A sedentary lifestyle promotes stagnation and could cause blood clots, which are precursors to heart attack and stroke. So let's get outside, get some vitamin D, keep up with your exercise. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Angel
1: Biasati with Methodist Mansfield. News to know. Realtor Beth Steinke shares why real estate as an investment, when done right, is for
6: everyone in the Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. Beth? You've got some cash in the bank, and you've considered what to do with it. And investing in real estate has crossed your mind. First, let's start with why now. Our U.S. inflation rate is currently at 7.1%. Now that's down from 8.5%. Let's start out with an illustration of a million dollars in cash in the bank and assume just a 7% inflation rate. In three years, your million would be worth just over $800,000. There's a hole in that bucket, and giving it more time is only going to make matters worse. It's probably easy to agree that keeping money in the bank is a bad move during these heavy inflationary periods. Buying real estate that can easily cash flow for you makes incredibly good sense, especially now. Like most of us, you maybe don't have a million dollars in the bank, but you'd like to start investing. Well, we've got you covered as well. Here are a few key steps as you begin your real estate investment journey. Number one, determine your investment strategy. This is critical. It's a critical first step and will determine your overall success. You'll need to decide whether you want to invest in long-term rental properties, sometimes called buy, fix, and hold, or are you wanting to do fix and flips or something else? Many are finding success in short-term rentals. Each strategy has its own set of risks and potential returns. Once you know what type of investor you want to be, we'll give you a clear path to run on. Number two, Understand the market. Research the area where you want to invest and become familiar with the local real estate market. This includes understanding the average home prices, rental rates, and the type of properties that are in demand. You'll want to develop your own personal buy box so that when a property pops up that works, you'll recognize it right away and jump on it. Number three, create a budget and stick to it. Make sure you have a clear understanding of your finances and project a budget that includes all of the expenses that you expect as well as a cushion for unexpected costs. There are likely more costs involved than you've considered. Lean into your real estate buying team to provide the best guidance on what to plan for. Number four, get your financing lined up. Will you be using traditional financing or going with an unconventional financing method? Traditional financing requires a minimum of a 20% cash down payment, though I always recommend running the numbers with a 25% down payment or use those available funds to buy down the interest rate or both. Because if you're holding this for a long term rental, it will increase your monthly cash flow. Getting your financing pre approval squared away first allows you to be ready when the right house shows up. Number five, be prepared for the long term. Real estate investing is not a get rich quick scheme. It requires patience, hard work, and a long-term commitment. If you're doing fix and flips in today's market, be prepared to hold on to your properties longer than expected in order to maximize your returns. Factor additional carrying costs into the budget. If you look at short-term rentals, do the numbers work for a long-term rental as well, just in case the municipality changes the laws cutting out the short-term rental option? I'm a huge fan of the buy and hold rental real estate investing plan but not everyone is prepared to be a landlord. That's okay. Getting the right property management company on board can make all of the difference. We have a saying in long-term holds, never forget the four T's in rentals, tenants, taxes, toilets, and trash. That is to say and convey that there can be a lot of variables, but when you get the right property in your preferred buy box and the numbers work, it's magic. Number six, Seek professional advice. Now is not the time to be shy. Don't be afraid to seek advice from experienced real estate investors, real estate agents, and other professionals who can guide you through the process. Not only do we work with real estate investors of all types, we are real estate investors too, so we understand on a much deeper level how to help and support you. I believe that to have a truly diversified investment portfolio, you need the stability of real estate as part of your overall investment strategy. The how and the why may be different for you than it is for me or your friend who flips houses, but investing in real estate can be for everyone when done right. As a special thank you for the About Mansfield podcast listening audience, for the first five people that connect with me with a question about real estate investing, I have a very special gift for you, something that I give my brand new investors just starting out. Email your question to info at aboutmansfield.com. Now let's get to this week's Mansfield real estate market update. As of January 30th, there are 88 active and available homes in Mansfield, excluding new construction. Homes this week range from $169,000 fixer upper with the list topping out at 1.9 million for that 7,000 square foot home on two and a half acres. Last week, 12 homes sold in Mansfield at an average sales price of over 565,000. Those homes were on the market for an average of 66 days and that does include four new construction homes. Sales are stable and mortgage interest rates are trending downward, bringing buyers out into the marketplace again. Send your real estate questions to me at info at aboutmansfield.com. And for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way,
1: you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain serves up a peanut butter delight in the cocktail of the week. Brian.
7: This week's cocktail of the week is the peanut butter cup cocktail. Today, I'm concluding my series on elevated cocktails for the new year. About eight years ago, I made for the first time a peanut butter cup cheesecake. And while time intensive, it made a wonderful cheesecake that was a big hit. And I've made it several times since, and it's always a hit. And in that vein, when I came across this cocktail, I knew I had to make it. So this is a cocktail that calls all chocolate and peanut butter lovers. This peanut butter cup cocktail is certainly not for the faint of heart. It's surprisingly strong with a smooth, sweet flavor. The chocolate liqueur and the whole milk complement the subtle peanut butter flavor in the whiskey without overwhelming it. But whatever you do, don't skip the peanut butter and chocolate shavings on the rim. The texture and flavor on the rim helps drive home the drink's peanut butter cup theme. The real secret to this peanut butter cup cocktail is salt. Salt amplifies flavors, including sweet ones, so no need to second-guess when you're looking at the ingredient list. Once you've mastered the mixology of this drink, the only thing left to do is to invite friends over for a dessert cocktail night. But don't worry. As always, I give the ingredients and instructions and post them on bourbongospel.com. This week's cocktail is the Peanut Butter Cup Cocktail. Ingredients, two tablespoons of creamy peanut butter, a quarter ounce of 60% dark chocolate bar. You're going to need ice. You're going to need about three-fourths of a cup, about six ounces of peanut butter whiskey, such as screwball. A quarter of a cup, about two ounces of chocolate liqueur, whatever brand suits you. About a quarter of a cup of half and half. The recipe originally called for whole milk, but I found that half and half adds an extra creamy layer that really adds to this cocktail. And then two pinches of sea salt. Directions, put the peanut butter on a small plate, grate chocolate bar from a microplaner and place on a second plate. Dip the rims of two eight ounce glasses, highball glasses, into the peanut butter and then into the chocolate shavings. Fill each glass about half full of ice. You're then going to take the screwball whiskey, the chocolate liqueur, the half and half in salt into a cocktail shaker. Fill with ice. Shake vigorously for about 20 seconds. Remove the lid and pour over ice into the glasses and serve immediately. Next week, I hope to start a series on freezer door cocktails. These are cocktails that you have pre-made that you stick in the freezer ready for friends to come over and have pre-made cocktails. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. And you're still not. Hi, I'm Scott Bowman, and you're listening to About Mansfield.
0: Welcome back to About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casio. as we make the transition from news to talk. And today we finish our in-studio interview with author, not only author, not only a book, 12 books. Author, Ken Aldridge. Enjoy. Let's talk about your books. Okay. All right. You have 12 books. I'm looking at them right now on your on your Amazon page. The latest book is called Cold Case eighty two three. First of all, what is eighty two three? Is that a, uh, I would assume the year 1982,
2: 1982. the third. There were three cold cases uh, the, in their files, and this was the number, or there was number the number three. There were three cold cases.
0: These the the twelve books that you've you've written so far. You're you're smiling as if there's going to be a 13. Uh, These are, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, I would assume. Yes. Because there is a, there's a recurring character named Jim Travis. Yes. Tell me about Jim.
2: Jim is a former Los Angeles police officer who uh, wanted to retire. He took a job in a small fictional Texas town I call Lake City. And I've put it sort of northeast of Dallas, but I didn't really pin it down. You know, it's uh, close to Gun Barrel City, Wills Point, some of those towns up there. Okay. But it's a fictional town, and he goes to, his mother lives there, and there's an opening for chief police, so he uh, decided to apply. So my thought was... Um, I'm going to use this fellow as kind of a hero. He kind of leads. He's got the experience. So he's got two young rookie officers that uh, he works with. But I also bring in some of his problems outside of the police department, which is uh, love life. And interesting enough, I get a lot of people that tell me, you need to put more sex in your books. And other people say, you should have less sex in your books. (laughs)
0: Well, don't listen to them and just keep doing what you're doing.
2: But I, the very first book that I sat down and started writing was based on, uh, we had a little neighbor girl, uh, we used to spend summers up in Minnesota at an RV resort. And there was a people that had a little seven year old girl that would come over and visit with us. She was like seven going on 15, told us stuff we, (laughs) I'm sure folks didn't want her to say, but anyway, uh, But that was the inspiration for me to sit down and write a book about a little girl getting kidnapped.
0: Hmm. Triage of Troubles.
2: Triage of Troubles. And the Triage of Troubles uh, was uh, um, three major crimes, three minor crimes, and three women after Jim Travis.
0: I see three women on the cover of the book and a silhouette, uh, presumably, of of Jim Travis. Travis. Describe the book.
2: The book is about a little girl getting kidnapped, and the kidnappers uh, eventually regret it. Uh, And uh, I, after I wrote the book, I had nowhere, no idea how I was going to get it published, what steps to take, anything along that line. I did a lot of research. Most uh, things, most what I found out was you really need to. Uh, an agent to get a book published with a major publisher. Uh, But I uh, was buying, we were in Barnes & Noble one pre-Christmas, right after I'd finished the book, and we were buying books for our granddaughters, and there was a lady in there signing children's books. So I went over and I started talking to her. And she said she used a publisher called Strategic Publishing out of New York City. Mm-hmm. And she said they're, you know, fine to work with. And that she had written two or three children's books. And so I looked into that, and I ended up actually using them to publish a book. Uh, and I used their idea of, of the for the cover. All the rest of my books are either pictures that I took or they are uh, pictures that are uh, Published pictures outside of the public do- or available in the public domain,
0: and the just for the, the, the benefit of the listeners, all of uh, all twelve of Ken's books are available on Amazon, and so you can just head on over there, do a search for Ken Aldridge, and all of his books uh, will will come up, and
2: also available on Kindle
0: for those who like to read off of a uh, off of a tablet. And we're talking all the way back to the very first. And what year was Triage of Troubles released? Two thousand and eight. Okay, and then you've got a Murder Shadow, the death of uh, Elizabeth. Evil
2: was a well. What happened was when I did sit down and start writing, I found out that I really enjoyed it. I mean, you're ba- you're basically making things up, and uh, but. I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed coming up with uh, the characters that uh, that actually are all the way through my books. The cast of characters: mm-hmm. the two rookie police officers. Uh, Jim Travis has got a uh, divorced wife that lives in Los Angeles, and she's in and out of some of the cases. And,
0: uh, How did you come up with the name Jim Travis?
2: <laughs> well. <clears throat> I have a very good friend that goes way back to our days in Minot, North Dakota that whenever he didn't want to sign in anywhere other than using his real name he used Jim Travis. Mm. And of course we always kidded because uh, I'd tell him you know if we ever needed to I could always use my international uh, key to get into any place that you know yeah. it was but it, anyway but he used Jim Travis so uh when I needed to come up with a character, I just, that came to mind and I, I liked it. It wasn't too complicated. <laughs> and, of course, now I send that uh, that friend a free copy of each of my books every time.
0: I oh, right. <laughs> I would think so. All right. So the, the, the latest, your first book in 2008. Yes. Your 12th book now was it last year? I think it was last year, so to 2022, because you had it. You and I are members of Rotary, so yes. we see each other there. And yes. you, I think you were pitching your book yes. back in 2022. Yeah, right. A cold case, 82-3, Jim Travis, a small Texas town chief of police, decides to look into a 10-year-old case of a missing young lady. He and his small staff start a reinvestigation that leads them to several suspects that have to be eliminated one by one. Oh, this, so this is like a, uh, and then there were three yep. uh, type thing where your process of elimination. The case is solved by forensics, polygraph tests, and a lot of police legwork. Um, in a nutshell, cold case, 82-3, uh, What's given give the an, synops- well, I, I read a little bit of it. Well,
2: but- it was actually based on an actual case that I worked that was not a cold case, but it was an interesting uh, kind of a sad case of a young girl that uh, I don't want to give out too many of the details. Sure. But it was based on an actual case of a young girl uh, that uh, was killed mm. and uh, that um, the FBI got involved in. But what I did, and I wrote Cold Case, like all the books that I've written, uh, are based on certain aspects of law enforcement. Drugs, grandparent fraud, romance frauds. Uh, I wrote a book about the gypsies. The uh, uh, Death of Elizabeth Geica is about uh, the gypsies mm-hmm. uh, and all their cons and schemes. Uh, in Murder Shadow uh, brings in the KGB and the FBI, uh, which also was based on a, an actual very interesting case of a young man uh, taking his best friend's identification and, and living under a false name. Uh, but I, each book, I try to um, bring out a different aspect of, of a crime or a law enforcement investigation. I read so much about cold cases in the last couple of years, I decided, you know, I think I'll take, this was just one case I'd never written a book about, so I decided to take that and expand it into a cold case. Uh, I would like to just get back to the triage of troubles I use strategic publishing yeah uh they ended up charging me for everything. charged me for the picture, charged for editing, charged for supposedly marketing, which they never did. Uh, and but when i after I wrote that and I wrote the second book, enticing evils, uh, I was at a book fair in Denton, and there was a lady there that had written a book, and she told me she used Amazon create Space. Hmm. which was a free publishing site that you could use. And I looked into it and uh, they're very good to work with. Uh, they don't do any marketing other than putting the book on once it's done and you're, you've accepted it uh, on the Amazon site, sure. Amazon books, and then you can convert, convert it over to uh, Kindle if, if you want. Um uh, the triage of trouble ended up costing me around twenty five hundred dollars to get it published. Uh, when I used when I went over to CreateSpace, which is now called Kindle Direct, mm-hmm. for any of you authors out there want to look into it, it's called Kindle Direct. Uh, it only cost me sixty dollars, and that's a copyright
0: fee. Wow! So big difference. Big
2: big difference. Uh, and way they, the way they do it is you can, once the book is, you've approved the book, uh, you've sent it in, and, and they do a little cursory review of it, uh, mostly for, uh, not for content, but just to make sure that, uh, you know, there's not two or three blank pages in the middle of the book and that kind of thing. Right. Right. Uh, they, uh, they send you uh, a proof copy, and if you prove that, then the book is made available uh, on Amazon. And then as an author, uh, I order, I can order one, to a thousand, whatever I want. Hmm. And normally what I order is like 75, about 75 copies of a book. Yeah. Uh, I've had to reorder uh, several, several books seem to be more popular than others.
0: And Which is your best-selling book?
2: I think In Murder Shadow uh was uh the one that I that is was a a best I mean most people like seem to like that. I had to reorder that.
0: The uh In Murder Shadow uh a KGB murder. So this gets international. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. It does. Espionage and nationwide manhunt. What at, at what point in your life did you realize you have a talent for writing?
2: I started getting feedback from – and, of course, I do all my own marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Interestingly enough, I tried to contact a bunch of libraries in the state uh, with a postcard with a, hey, I'd come and talk. Uh, And I only got uh, one or two responses back that, well, we'll we'll think about it. So I've never had really good luck marketing other than through friends, friends. club members, uh, favorite, several clubs I belong to, the Rotary, mm-hmm. uh, people at church uh, there. So I've kind of developed uh, a following of about 50, 50 people that are basically there on my I want your next book list. Uh, and then, then there's others too. A, recently, uh, a fellow at the Rotary uh, wanted a, uh, a set of books for his father-in-law. Yeah, And so he bought a full set for Christmas. And uh, matter of fact, just mentioned the other day that he says, by the way, my father-in-law is really enjoying your books. So uh, after several books and started getting some feedback, I've gotten some nice notes from people. One of the nicest notes I got was uh, that was a romance now con game. And there was a lady at church that had bought all my books And I hadn't seen her for a while, but when this book came out, I just I took a few with me and I gave it to her, and I said, "You've bought my other books. I'll just give you this one." Yeah. And um, a few weeks later, she wrote me a note and she said, "Thank you, thank you, for Romance Now Con Game." She said it made me sit stop, sit down and read and relax. The best medicine. And I, I I really enjoyed that little note. Just you know, little effort she made. So um, one of the one of the problems about writing is I really enjoy the writing, but the editing takes more time than the writing. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, and if you've got, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was in Murder Shadow. I think yes. Uh, for example. I had this fellow pull into a, a rest stop and he puts money in or takes money out of his of the console. Well, console, there's three ways you spell console. Mm. And of course I spelled it wrong anyway. Uh, and people pick up on that real quick. I mean, which is fine, I don't mind. I've got some people that'll send me notes and s- with two or three of the errors that are in the book. And hmm. so when I reorder, I can change that. And uh, But my wife helps uh, a lot, uh, almost every book. Uh, she's edited. I used uh, uh, one of my sons uh, for several of the books. He now lives down in uh, New Bronzeville, so it's kind of hard to, to have him review them. But yeah. uh, after writing, I usually go through... Uh, the rough manuscript at least five times. Uh, And I'm talking about uh, sentence structure, uh, chapters. I want to make sure that the format is is reasonable. I like to use one and a half spacing between lines. I like short paragraphs, uh, short chapters. um, And that's kind of been my style and I've had a lot of really good feedback on that. I, I use a 12 font 12 in the books uh when i'm writing it i use a 14 and i convert it over to 12
0: yeah when your style of writing it who's your inspiration or or is there an inspiration do uh, you know some people have an inspiration from edgar Allan poe or perhaps mike uh, mark twain or do you have an inspiration
2: i've always been a uh, a um, prolific reader uh and I read uh, Agatha Christie, of course, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, uh, growing up, the Hardy Boys. Okay, uh, so know.
0: that's where all the murders and that's where all the yeah, mysteries are yeah, coming from. You know,
2: and I, I guess that maybe planted that. But then my career in the FBI gave me some good ammunition for some of the major plots uh, in the books. And uh, but uh, I've I've I read I've read a lot of uh, fiction. Uh, not so much nonfiction, although I do enjoy it once in a while. But uh, one of my favorite books, the one I've read, I've read th- three times, is called *The Gold Coast* by uh, Nelson DeMille. Hmm. He's written about ten or twelve books. I've read all of them. Uh, this one I would highly recommend to anybody because it's a fascinating book about a lawyer who has a organized crime person, move in next door to him, and does everything possible to get this lawyer to get involved in some of the illegal activities. <laughs> so it's, it's really well, well written. Uh, but, and I've read, like I said, all these books. But I've read, uh, uh, I like John Sanford, uh, I like uh, Robert Parker, uh, I picked up a book by Robert Parker and of course he goes way back he's written lots of police mm-hmm. crime stuff but it was a western and I thought well that's kind of unusual so I picked it up and I read it and it was a most unusual book because it was almost all dialogue hmm. now I'm very sensitive to that because I don't like to use too much dialogue but I like to have some yeah uh, but Anyway, uh, uh, Vince Flynn is another person I read. Uh, Daniel Silva, if you like espionage kind of things, hmm. he, he's he's very good. Um,
0: you mentioned Westerns. Uh, Louis L'Amour on your list?
2: Uh, I've read a couple of his. Yeah. And of course, I've got a whole set of the Zan Grey that I've never got to, but <laughs> they're they're still there.
0: <laughs> of your books, you've got 12 books. If one of them were to be turned into a Hollywood blockbuster movie, which book would that be and which actor would portray Jim Travis?
2: I guess probably in Murder Shadow, uh, to sum it up. I think that that would, uh, it's got enough uh, mystery about it and it involves the Jim Travis and the police department, uh, even though it's sort of a national setting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the main characters ends up in Lake City, and kind of holds up there, and so that's how uh, that's how I ended up writing about it in in Lake City.
0: This what? one going back to the, the the KGB murder, the espionage, and the uh, the nationwide manhunt. Eventually, winds up in Lake City. Yes, and uh, then the the last part of the question: Who would portray? Jim Travis in your blockbuster movie. Tom Selleck. Nice. That's a good pick. I had envisioned because looking at the cover of triage of trouble, there's a silhouette of a man with a cowboy hat. You mentioned in the gun barrel city area of, of, of Texas, um, uh, fictionally Lake city, Texas. Uh, I, Sam Elliott came to mind. Oh, Uh, yeah. But I don't know if that's, that's, you're the author. You're, you're the playwright. You're the, so I don't know if that's, uh,
2: well, several people have told me that when uh, a writer, uh, when a writer has a main character, they always have a Hollywood actor in mind. Okay. And I, when they, when I first heard that, I thought, "Well, I don't really have," but I've thought about it. I guess a little bit, huh. and I don't know.
0: It's and it's funny. We both came up with uh, actors with yeah. tremendous mustaches. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Blue Bloods, and and <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, oh it's Friday night. It's Blue Bloods, and
2: uh... one of the things that I that a lot of people ask me, I've given quite a few talks. Matter of fact, I'm going to go down to Nebronsfeld next month and and talk. Uh, uh, to a group down there. But uh, is part of the style is I like to use a combination of first person and third person. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Sue Grafton uses the first person, and to me it, it limits the author because everything has to come through her eyes and her thoughts and or, or his thoughts or whatever. The third person gives me an opportunity to have something going on in a different town that might relate to later or is still part of uh, whatever's happening in, in Lake City and uh, I don't I didn't worry too much about it. Uh, probably uh, really good authors would say that's a no-no but uh, that's my style and hmm. and uh, I'm comfortable with it and it, it gives me more latitude and to tell a story
0: in the couple of minutes that we have left, uh, you've got an open mic. Is there anybody that you want to acknowledge? Anybody you want to thank? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Um, whether it's regarding your books or or anybody here in Mansfield that you want to you want to say hello to?
2: Well, I just uh, would like to say that uh, I have found out since I started writing that there's a lot of people that have written a book or are writing a book or want to write a book, and they have no idea where where to go once they get it finished. I've talked to uh, people that have submitted hundreds of applications to publishers trying to get their book published. Uh, getting a book published is not easy, and people should be aware of uh, the fact that there are a lot of um, quasi Publishers that uh, are storefront, kind of, uh, they move, change their names, move from here. There. All they do is they prey on authors. Yeah. Because authors, if author hears that, yeah, we will publish your book and pay you royalties and blah, 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 you know, and they paint a rosy picture. <clears throat> there is a lady out of Los Angeles who herself is an author who ha- puts out a monthly blog called uh Writers, writer beware and she has done a lot of research of course a lot of writers now filter uh, information to her if they've been scammed and and uh, there's been some irregularities Correct. in publishing so it's uh, I've been, it hasn't really affected me because I've used this CreateSpace and uh, very successfully uh, I haven't marketed my, my books uh, probably like a lot of people could but I encourage anybody. If you've ever thought you want to write a book, sit down and start writing. If nothing else, take a, a legal pad and just start writing by hand. Yeah, and and eventually uh, form it into a book and contact uh, Kindle Direct and. They actually will help you. What they do is they've got like two sides of their website. One is everything's free. If you do this, this is over here. If you get hung up, they, they charge you $75 to do this or 125 to do that or whatever.
0: Sometimes you need help.
2: Sometimes you yeah. need help. Particularly that first, um, the first book or so uh, published.
0: Okay. The latest book is called Cold Case 82-3, going all the way back to 2008. The first book is called Triage of Troubles, and there are 10 other books, Jim Travis Mysteries books uh, that, that Ken Aldridge has uh, has published and written, and uh, Ken, I hope you sell a million books.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've, I. I, people ask me, well, how many books have you sold? And I I don't know. I don't really keep track. I, I would say I've probably sold maybe 1,500 books.
7: Yeah.
2: Uh, but if anybody is interested, I mean, I keep a supply of books uh, at my house. If anybody's interested, they can email me.
0: What's that email address?
2: Kaldridge at AOL.com.
0: Kaldridge, and that's A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E.
2: At AOL.com.
0: At AOL.com. I was
2: probably the first person to sign up with AOL. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't>
0: and, know. <laughs> and you're the last person. You know, when you cancel it, turn out the light and AOL's is done. Uh, it, and it's K Aldridge. Just initial K Aldridge yeah. at AOL.com. And if
2: anybody's interested, I, I'll hand delivered autographed copies. Um, I will just say, say this that uh, through Space, you set the price. Uh, and I, all of my books, I've priced them at ten dollars and ninety nine cents, mm-hmm. or ten ninety five, I think.
0: That's reasonable.
2: Uh, but if you order them from Amazon, you pay that price plus shipping. They don't cost me that much when I get them, so I can sell them cheaper than ten dollars. Matter of fact, I just sold the fellow Rotary twelve copies for eighty dollars. Yeah, which is,
0: you know. A bargain.
2: Bargain, yes.
0: And you autographed all 12 of them. I
2: autographed free autograph. Yes. <laughs> but it's been a great hobby. Uh, and I don't have uh, book number 13 in mind, but already I'm starting to miss writing. So I might come up with another case and another book.
0: Nice. Ken Aldridge, we appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Uh, and you brought a stack of your books. Um uh, Aldridge at aol.com go check him out and if anything head on over to Amazon and at least uh, take a look at the synopsis of, of one or all 12 of his books appreciate you being on About Mansfield you bet I enjoyed it Thank you. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio with yet another outstanding Mansfield resident, and you will just have to wait to find out who it is. As always, this is the place where you'll hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com, right there on the homepage. Enter your email address, we will never send you any spam. We promise.
1: About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casio and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Sports, Jonathan Dodd. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo and Jonathan Dodd.
0: This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo and this. is about Mansfield.